0: We are going to uh, read from God's Word now, and uh, so I invite you to, if you're using your own Bible or use the words on the screen or just listen, um, it's concerning the time that Jesus was going to be meeting up with his very good friend Lazarus, so let's read about that. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus, and this is a reading from John chapter 11, 17 through 37. he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much, how, how much he, they loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is the word of God.
1: Thanks, David. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, let me add my welcome to uh, Mark's. My name's Chris, and I'm one of the ministry interns here at Wongong Baptist Church. And if I haven't met you, then I'd uh, love to meet you uh, after the service. Um, before I get into the talk this morning, I'm just going to pray for, for us. So if you could please just bow your heads with me. Um, Father... Uh, this is a, a sensitive topic we're looking at today. I just pray that you help us um, to be at ease, Lord, and I just pray that you help us to um, have our ears open, Lord, and our hearts open and our minds open, Lord, to uh, looking um, at how you approach suffering, Lord, in in your word. Um, I pray that you help us to um, just, yeah, walk away um, encouraged, and Lord, I just pray that you. Um, yeah, help us through this morning, Lord, in Your Son's name. Amen. Sweet. So there's so much suffering in this world, isn't there? And so most of us, if not all of us, are suffering in in some way. So maybe we're holding someone else's hand while they suffer, or we ourselves are suffering. And so today I'll be talking about suffering in general. And so this can include severe things such as unexpected deaths or, or cancer or disabilities to minor things uh, like spraining your ankle or getting anxious because you've lost your wallet or purse. And so this is a heavy topic, especially um, if you yourself are experiencing tough things right now. And so if that's you, then I'm, I'm really sorry that you're going through that and that this talk um, may bring up bad memories for you. And so I hope that the talk today will help us consider how we can support others, but also that the message you hear may bring you a hope and a joy that you can recite in throughout this difficult life. And there is so much suffering um, that does happen in this world, but there are moments of suffering which we can uh, look back on and have a laugh at. And so when I was in, in primary school, Um, I was about eight or nine years old. I walked into uh, my bathroom and saw in the drain, uh, sitting there, a a long chunk of mould. And so as a a young boy, this prompted my curiosity. I wanted to get my hands on this piece of mould. I wanted to do something with it. I don't know. And so I stuck my finger into this drain hole. And I couldn't reach the mould, so I tried to pull my finger out, and my finger got stuck. I started to panic, and I called out for help. And my family, they rushed in, and they... Uh, with a look of concern on their faces. And my dad, he realized um, what was happening and he sighed uh, and said, we're going to have to cut off your finger. (laughs) And so he walks out of the room, he grabs a hacksaw, brings it back in, takes the blade off, walks up to the sink and starts sawing away. And so I hold my eyes shut and begin to cry as I expect to experience the pain of a, a sore tearing away at, at my flesh and bone. Thankfully, he only cut through the plastic drain segment, and my finger was released. And so I grabbed my finger in disbelief that I was still there. And from this experience, I learned not to stick my finger in a sinkhole again. And I haven't done that since. And this is funny because who knew that sticking... My finger in a sinkhole would lead to it potentially being amputated. It was terrifying. Now, the trauma of this, it didn't stick around, um, but there are experiences of suffering that we have which may never go away. Our experience can be sewn into the fabric of our lives, and it stays with us until we die. It's indelible. It, it can't be erased. And we may never move on from our suffering. Instead, we have to move forward with the aftermath of the experience. We revisit the trauma in our thoughts and in our dreams. And it influences our our personality, how we interact with people, how we interact with the world. And it can carry on for months, years, decades, and even our entire lifetime. It can occupy our thoughts and emotions preventing us from living a happy life and us christians we believe that god is all-powerful and all-loving yet suffering still exists surely this doesn't make sense it's as if our amazing creator uh, has abandoned us while we still worship him it's as if God sits back in his chair, eating his popcorn and drinking his drink as he watches us suffer in this world. Does God really care? It's a common defeat of belief. We suffer, therefore God doesn't care about us. And so I like to point out the fact that suffering is normal, and sadly, it's not something that we can avoid in life. And this is my first point today that we can't avoid our suffering. That we can't avoid our suffering. Uh, So when I was 12 years old, uh, I was playing in the backyard with my brother, who was 14, and a friend of mine. So we were playing this medieval game where we were using sticks as swords, and I had a homemade bow. And so while shooting the bow in my brother's direction, um, he, he leant downwards, and the wind picked up this stick, and it hit him in the eye. And so he was rushed to hospital. And so, so for the next few days while he was in the hospital, um, he had the hope that he'd get his eyesight back, but unfortunately an infection sprung up in his eye. And so this infection, it was gonna to spread to his other eye and blind him there and to his brain and kill him. And so our deep concern for him turned into a fear for his life. We didn't know what was gonna happen. And so he ended up being rushed up to Sydney Eye Hospital and he was being pumped with antibiotics for four weeks um, to fight this infection. Before he went up, um, I remember sitting in the waiting room and seeing him over in a wheelchair chatting to the doctors and it looked like he'd just been in a swimming swimming pool. He was drenched in so much sweat and his eye was swollen up to the size of a golf ball. And so up in Sydney, to distract myself from this, I brought up stacks of CDs and a CD player, and for hours on end every day, I'd just listen to to music just to distract myself from what was happening. And so each night before bed, I would dread this situation and pray for my brother that he would come out alive and with his eyesight. And so I was engulfed with this anxiety and countless repetitive questioning thoughts And my tear reservoir ended up drying up. And so the days dragged by as this nightmare of an event played out. The concern I had for the results of this disastrous event were immense. Thankfully, my brother did come out alive. And this was such a relief. However, sadly, he is now permanently blind in one eye. A traumatic burden that he will carry for the rest of his life. A fair, unfair, isn't it? What did my brother do to carry such a burden? He was only 14 years old. And this wasn't a result of some past sin. Even though we were able to do something about the suffering, we were able to comfort him and help him through it, we couldn't completely remove the suffering and so I'm sure there's a lot of people here in this room who can relate to an unfortunate circumstance like this. This is what happens in this world. We suffer. But the Bible, it doesn't shy away from the reality of this. The passage we read out earlier has an example for us. So in John chapter 11, verses 17 to 21, it says, On his arrival... Um, earlier before in the chapter, before this passage, we read that Lazarus was sick. And so we, this was the cause of his death. And Lazarus, he suffered through this illness. And now that he has passed away, Mary and Martha and his friends are the ones left to suffer his loss, to suffer the loss of their loved one. And this is horrible. It's an experience that they weren't able to avoid. And what Mary and Martha experienced is something that we experience as well, isn't it? Unexpected suffering. They were helplessly waiting for Lazarus to get better and his sickness didn't go away. And so now they are sitting in agony as his life was ended. And there's something just wrong about this, isn't there? Where was God in this moment? And so we fear that things like this happen to us. And so we approach life of caution Caution, attempting uh, to avoid suffering, though it still gets the best of us. It's not that there's something wrong with the world that God created. Suffering, suffering is a part of this world. And this makes it very painful sometimes. The only thing that people could do for Mary and Martha was to comfort them. And when we ourselves are uh, suffering, the best we can hope for is to be comforted But what does it solve? We are still suffering. We want to escape it, but we are stuck in it as the rest of the world just keeps moving on. And when we are suffering, we may not be in a state of mind to communicate it. Maybe we don't want to burden others as we feel like um, they can't help or that they won't understand. Maybe we are so consumed that by our traumatic thoughts that we just can't communicate it to the other person. Comfort is the best that we can receive or give, but it is insufficient. It doesn't fix the problem of suffering. As much as we were able to provide comfort for my brother as he was fighting this infection, it didn't fix the problem. As much as we sat in distress, it didn't bring my brother's eyesight back. When it comes to suffering, we're left helpless as it takes control of our lives. We can't avoid suffering. And this is where it's helpful to know that God understands our suffering as he enters our suffering. And this is my second point, that God enters our suffering, that God enters our suffering. One important thing that you should know about Christianity is that we believe that Jesus is God in human form. He's both fully God and fully man. Jesus is God who has put on flesh and He's come down to earth to live among us and experience experiencing the things that we experience. He breathes the same air we breathe. He feels what we are feeling. He experiences the same emotions. He lives amongst us as one of us. He is a relational God. He comes close to us and as close as you can get. And so this is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. All the gods of all the other religions in the world remain distant. They watch from afar and expect you to reach their standard with your own efforts. They remain indifferent, not showing a care or an understanding towards us. And it wouldn't bother them that we rejected them. What have they done for you to receive something back anyway. But God uh, doesn't keep himself distant from us. Instead, he shows us that he loves us and that he understands us. So let's have another look at the passage to see what God does when he enters the world as the God-man Jesus. So verses 32 to 36 um, in John 11 say this. They replied, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Mary knows who Jesus is, Jesus is, and she places the weight of her brother's death on him. And she cries in sorrow and grief. She could be thinking, how is it fair that my brother's life was taken away? You could have stopped this, Jesus. Why did you allow this to happen? Mary and Martha place the blame of the suffering on Jesus not coming and acting on what happened because they knew he could stop it. The God man Jesus who entered this world, he ends up responding with understanding. He enters our suffering. He enters their suffering, as it says in verse 33. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus feels the weight of the suffering that they are experiencing, and he responds appropriately. He doesn't just respond to their suffering. He also suffers with them. He is overwhelmed with sorrow and grief. And we can see this in verse 34 to 36, which says, "'Where have you laid him?' he asked. "'Come and see, Lord.'" They replied, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Crying is our body's a physical action to all the emotional stress that's built up. And Jesus, the son of God, weeps in response to the suffering that was taking place here. This is God crying in sorrow and grief in response to Lazarus' death. God understands what we are going through. A part of the Bible describes Jesus like this. Um, It's from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 3 to 4 in the Bible. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. This may not be the God you thought was the God of Christianity. God comes so close to us that he experiences the grief and pain and suffering that we experience. God shows us that he understands our suffering. And one of the biggest drives in this world is to uh, relieve suffering and attempt to just end it completely. Countless organizations and businesses uh, invest in preventative care and uh, curative care um, in attempt to yeah, help people get better. But also, sadly, people use destructive means to alleviate their suffering. Things like alcohol and drugs and pornography as a distraction and temporary relief with a cost. Gaming, for example, can be used as a distraction from reality. In 1999, there was a film called The Matrix, which came out. It was about a man named Neo, who um, ended up waking up from a simulation of reality and discovers that he's in a, a futuristic, dystopian world where, where machines have taken over. And so these machines, they hook people up to a life like virtual reality and harvest any energy from them. In a similar way, some of us, including myself, have used gaming to distract from unpleasant circumstances in life. And currently virtual reality is becoming uh, normal. And this could be used as a distraction from the suffering that is being experienced. And so with all these different means of alleviating suffering and people trying to escape this reality, people are trying to escape this reality, attempting to avoid life, avoid suffering, and attempting to end suffering. But our world, is so complex and so selfish all of these attempts to alleviate or end our suffering, will never completely remove it. We can't end our suffering. And so this brings me to my third point where God ends our suffering by suffering for us. God ends our suffering by suffering for us. And so Jesus deals with the cause of suffering. And so let's look at what happens after the passage we read earlier. John chapter 11 from verses 38 to 43, which says this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit for the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus just ended the driving force behind the suffering that they were experiencing of the loss of Lazarus. Without any effort, all he had to do was speak and Lazarus rose from the dead. The God-man Jesus that he has shown that he has the power to end our suffering. Jesus also promises a time when there will be no more suffering. And we can see this in the disciple John's prophecy in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4, which says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So try and imagine being in a a place where there isn't a single hint of suffering. We are so used to everyday discomforts, so used to protecting ourselves um, from potential suffering. To fathom being in a place where it doesn't exist is just way out of our scope. But how do we enter this existence? And so if this is the future that is on offer, I have one question for us. How do we enter this existence, into this future. If we investigate who Jesus into who Jesus is, um, we will find that God has shown us the ultimate act of care towards our suffering. Not just a care that comforts like we saw in the recording of Lazarus, but a care where God ends our suffering completely. He gives us the opportunity to enter an existence without suffering if we choose to accept it. And so how's God ended our suffering? I've got an illustration which might help us understand. Uh, during my Bachelor of Civil Engineering, um, for one subject we were in a group of a team of six and so what we had to do was design a bridge and so we had to cover all aspects of this bridge design. And so that included things like um, hydraulic, geotechnical, uh, wind, wind. Um, Wind, road, reinforced concrete and beam design. And so this was a monster of the project. And so in our first meeting, uh, we allocated people to each section. And so there was a lot of tension during this meeting. Everyone hoped for the easiest part. And they were praying that they didn't get the reinforced concrete design section. And so when it was time to allocate the sections, uh, the leader asked for a volunteer and there was silence in our team. And even I felt anxious, hoping that I wasn't going to get voluntold. But thankfully, one man, one brave man, put his hand up and he said, I'll take the section. And so we were all relieved. The poor guy was, probably ended up crying himself to sleep that night. And so he made a great sacrifice for our benefit. And in a much greater way, God Himself makes a sacrifice for us. God himself suffers for us. And so if you are visiting today or you are new to Christianity, this may not be a phrase that you'd expect to hear. There's a passage in the Old Testament uh, which is about God entering our suffering and ending our suffering through Jesus dying on the cross. And so it's from uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 again, verses 5 to 6. And it says this, the suffering that we deserve for rejecting God. And it's not just the suffering that we are experiencing now in this lifetime. Um, it's the suffering that we deserve um, for our wrongdoing, for our sins, suffering that we will experience in the next life for rejecting God. As verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And it doesn't matter whether we think we have sinned or not. Um, It's not our own standards that we are accountable to. It's our Creator's. And so you might have responded to this out of fear, or you might have responded to this out of anger, and they're not wrong things to feel. But, however, we don't have to feel this way at all. Why? Because it says at the end of verse 6, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. To enter God's presence where there is no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, we need to deal with the issue of our sin which separates us from God. Because the standard we need to meet to be in God's presence is perfection. And it is dealt with through Jesus. He is the sinless one who died on the cross so that our sin is dealt with and that we can be justified. Or to put it another way, we are declared perfect. We are declared righteous. And this means that the just punishment that we deserve for going astray and just living the way we want to live is laid on God's perfect servant, Jesus as he takes on our rejection, of our, our rejection of God, our iniquities. If we trust that Jesus' death on the cross did all of the work, we receive this. This means that the just punishment, um, sorry, and this is wonderful news. And so even though we might be going through really tough times right now, if we trust in Jesus, we can uh, look forward to an eternal life without suffering after we die. And we can see this back in the passage we read earlier as Martha speaks to Jesus. So back in John chapter 11, verses 23 to 27, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this yes lord she replied i believe that you are the messiah the son of god who's come into the world knowing this is a comfort throughout this life here martha is comforted by jesus as he reassures her that lazarus will Rise when he comes back to judge the world. And not just Lazarus, but anyone else who believes in Jesus will live even though they die, as it says in verse 25. Not just temporarily, but eternally, as we saw in verse 26, as he says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And Jesus makes this claim and then he backs it up Because he rose Lazarus from the dead. Martha herself professes that she believes this, and she identifies him in verse 27 as the Messiah. She identifies him as the Son of God who's come into the world that we suffer in to redeem us by suffering God's anger that we deserve. And so we need to recognize this because we don't belong in this world of suffering. We are made to be in the presence of our Creator where there is no suffering. This life, it's not easy, and we will all suffer in some way. And we can't end our suffering. So we do need to comfort each other and support each other through our anxieties and pains, sorrow, grief, depression, insecurities, just to name a few. But God knows what we are experiencing as he has entered our suffering, which we saw in the passage. And so we can lean on God and rely on him through our tough times. And so we can express that to him and tell him how we feel and then ask for his help. And so if you're going through something um, right now or you know someone who is at the end of the service, uh, myself or one of the pastors or elders will be up the front here and we'll be um, ready to pray with you. Now, we are in a world where suffering should be expected and we can't prevent it from happening. And we saw that comfort is insufficient. It doesn't fix the problem. But that's where we can look to God who does something to end our suffering. And this is the best news that we will ever hear in our entire lifetime. The fact that if you put your trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, you will enter an existence without suffering when you die. God has shown that he cares about our suffering. And so he has an eternity without suffering waiting for us where there is no more mourning, no more crying, no more death, and no more pain. And so can I please urge you to investigate Jesus further Chat to your Christian friend who maybe brought you along today. Read one of the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Look at the evidence yourself. It's definitely worth your time. And so in response to this, I'm just going to pray for us now before we stand up and sing. So please, if you're the praying kind, uh, bow your heads with me. Father, there is so much suffering in this world. And you know that, Lord, help us to comfort one another. Lord, help us to rely on you. Help us to talk to you. Help us to express how we feel to you. And I just ask that you help us through all our pain. Lord, thank you so much that, um, yeah, you have shown that you understand our suffering through Jesus, Lord, that you've come to earth and lived amongst us. Lord, thank you so much that you have an end to our suffering waiting for us an eternity where there is no more suffering. Father, I just pray that you help us to look into Jesus, Lord, if we don't trust in him, Lord. But also, I pray that you help us to trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour, Lord, who suffered and died on the cross for our sin. And I pray that you help us to just hold firm in our faith in Jesus. In your Son's name. Amen.